Good morning. I'm Harley Schlanger from the LaRouche Organization with your daily update for February 11th, 2022. If you weren't able to join us live yesterday for a Schiller Institute Russian International Affairs Council webcast on the humanitarian solution for Afghanistan, I urge you to go to the SchillerInstitute.com and log on to it and watch it. It was a two-hour discussion, uh, a lot of energy and intensity uh, with speakers uh, on behalf of the Schiller Institute, including former U.S. diplomats, uh, Graham Fuller and Jim Jatris, and three panelists from Russia, including Dr. Andrei Kortunov, the general director of the Russian International Affairs Council. The discussion was very interesting because there was not a lot of agreement at first on the principal issue, which is how necessary is humanitarian aid for Afghanistan. But Helga Zeplarouche, in her introduction, uh, took away any doubt on the question by going through the details of what's happening now on the ground following six months of absolute refusal by the United States to provide the money that belongs to the Afghan people back to them, $9 billion, which would go a long way towards alleviating the short-term suffering. The discussion was quite interesting, covered a number of geopolitical concerns, how the region uh, can function, how neighbors of Afghanistan should work, what would be the possibility for U.S.-Russian cooperation, uh, and in the end, the general agreement that humanitarian aid is essential. One of the points that a, a Russian raised, one of the Russian speakers raised, was that he doesn't think the United States will respond out of guilt to the fact that people are dying. And Jim Jatris agreed with him. He said, how do you shame the shameless? However, we must make the effort. And Helga's optimism shown through throughout the discussion with her insistence that the solutions are there in the four power agreement drafted by her husband, in the potential for a new uh, uh, monetary system, a new Bretton Woods. And most importantly, it just calls attention to the necessity for a new security architecture. That is that we have to have an agreement among the great powers and the small powers that there must be uh, a concern with the security of all nations and all people. So again, it's it's on the SchillerInstitute.com website from February 10th, and I'd urge you to not just watch it, but study it and circulate it. Now, I'm just going to go through a couple of, of leading developments, uh, which may or may not get into the press in, in your neighborhood. The Normandy Four, which is France, Germany, Russia, and Ukraine, met in Berlin yesterday. It was a nine-hour meeting, and the Russians report that the French and the Germans were sympathetic to the Russian demand that Ukraine live up to the Minsk agreement. The Minsk agreement was, the, uh, was signed by all four, including Ukraine, which included a change in the Ukrainian constitution to allow for limited autonomy for the region's east of the Dnieper River, the so-called Donbass area. The Ukrainians deny that this is going to happen. Further, they refuse to meet with representatives of, of the people who live there, who have 
already a certain kind of autonomous self-government. The uh, French and the, the Germans said they would agree with Russia on the Minsk agreement. But up to this point, the Ukrainians refused. So this was a, uh, an important moment for clarifying where the problem is. Now, this came up in the discussions between Sergei Lavrov and Liz Truss, the British foreign minister. She is what you probably uh, politely would describe as a hard-ass nutcase. She went in there with the intention to tell Lavrov, you must do what we say. You must abide by our diktats. Now, what was she saying? She said that Lavrov must act to fulfill the Minsk Accord. Well, as you just heard, even the Germans and the French now acknowledge that it's the Ukrainians who are not living up to the agreement in the Minsk Accord, that the Russians are perfectly willing to do so. Uh, when he said that the Ukrainians won't even talk to the leaders in the Donbass, she had no response just to repeat over and over that Russia should not invade Ukraine. Uh, Lavrov said he's never met someone who was so unprepared for a, a major meeting. Uh, he said that it was less than useless. It was the deaf talking to the blind. And uh, the obvious point here is that if you're going to resolve these kinds of tensions, you can't go in at a point of negotiation and say, you do what we say, especially when what you're demanding is based on fabrication and false evidence. Now, we see this repeatedly. And I, I just wrote an article on the Chatham House and Atlantic Council, two Anglo-American think tanks. Chatham House is British. Uh, Atlantic Council is Anglo-American. But the two of them are out front in the insistence that Russia is about to invade, that Russia is preparing to use cyber warfare, and that the West has to have drastic san sanction regime against Russia to stop the war. Uh, this is something which they're now calling, um, what's it called, uh, something uh, transparency, that there must be an advanced notice of what the deterrent that you're using is. And so they're saying that because they're so tough with the threat of sanctions, that Russia may not do these things. Well, Russia may have had no intention to do any of these things, like invade Ukraine or carry out cyber attacks. The same people who are saying that Russia is using cyber attacks use the 2016 U.S. elections as an example, where there's absolutely zero evidence that Russia was engaged in a cyber attack that led to the Trump victory. That's a British concoction that was produced by MI6 and GCHQ. So the argument of the Atlantic Council is that the Russians are preparing cyber attacks and the West must let Russia know that they'll have to pay a dear price if they do that. One of their authors even said it would justify a kinetic strike. In other words, a physical bombing attack or missile attack if there was a cyber attack. Now, most of the evidence so far on Russian cyber attacks has been concocted by GCHQ and by the Ukrainians, who in fact themselves may have been involved in many of the cyber attacks. So this is where you see the, the war narrative continuing.
even as there's an effort being made by Macron, the French president, by German Chancellor Schultz and others to step back from the brink of war. Now, one other thing to report is uh, the latest setback to the Green New Deal. And this is a very interesting one. Ursula von der Leyen, who is the head of the European Commission, uh, is planning for a trip to Africa to promote what they call the European Union Global Gateway Plan, which is supposedly a counter to the Belt and Road Initiative. It's a green policy. They're going to give money to lower the carbon footprint of African countries. The Senegal president and OAU chairman, Organization of African Unity chairman, uh, Mackie Sull, issued a statement in which he said he now regrets the decision made at the COP26 conference to stop aiding hydrocarbon development in Africa, that is coal and fossil fuel development. He said African countries need hydrocarbons to support industry and to provide electricity to 600 million Africans who don't yet have consistent, adequate electricity. Now, this is something that it was clear from the COP26, why we called it the FLOP26, that many countries paid lip service to it, including Russia and China. And the U.S.-China deal supposedly was the great breakthrough. And yet the Chinese are continuing to build coal plants because they need them. Uh, India is developing coal fire. Australia is shipping more coal than ever. The Russians are shipping more coal than ever because people need power. Nations need uh, abundant and surplus power uh, to ensure that they can develop. And this is a direct rejection of the Malthusian demands of the Greenies who run the COP26 and, and the UN climate agreements. Now, this was noted by none other than Bloomberg News, whose boss, Michael Bloomberg, is one of the leading Greenies on the planet. He put hundreds of millions of dollars into his project to stop coal development. But Bloomberg has a headline, The Great Climate Backslide, How Governments Are Regressing Worldwide. Well, that's a good sign. That's why, we, uh, why I said earlier this week that the Great Reset and the Green New Deal are virtually dead in the water, and the unipolar world is badly damaged and is on the way to being ended. If you understand that, you'll see why people like Blinken, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, uh, the Democrats and Republicans in the Congress are so insistent that we prepare for war with Russia and China. And why the Atlantic Council's Fred Kemp said, the, the time is here, it's a tectonic shift, this is real, we must stop it. And that's what they're trying to do with Ukraine, with Taiwan, uh, with the deployments against Russia and China. It's not going to work. We're moving into a new paradigm, and I want you to join us to help make sure that the American people know what that is and know that it's not a threat to the United States. It's actually in, not only in the interest of the United States, but it's in the best American tradition of the founding fathers. A global bankruptcy reorganization shut down the power of the central banks and the private banks and have national credit institutions that invest in new physical uh, economic production 
and new platforms of infrastructure. That's what Lyndon LaRouche fought for his whole life. Uh, tomorrow, February 12th, will be the third anniversary of his passing, and you'll be able to go to the LaRoucheOrganization.com website to hear speeches that he gave during his lifetime. So thanks for joining me today. Watch the Schiller Institute Symposium yesterday on Afghanistan, and I'll see you next week.